Well, hello and welcome to the unofficial Unreal Engine podcast where we talk about all things Unreal Engine and also palaces owned by commanders. We're your hosts. My name's Alex. <laughs> and I'm Jacob. W- welcome to a, a very special episode. Uh, we're going to be, we, we got a lot to talk about. Um, so much. Endless amounts. Yeah, I, you know, we're coming back from an awesome Unreal Fest experience. Um, we had a great time. I think we're excited to recap uh, a, a lot of for you guys and tell you all about it if you didn't get a chance to make it um, or if you didn't get to make it to one of the you know 100 200 and how many ever uh, sessions <laughs> there were um, I'm excited to chat about it it was a lot so cool for those who don't know or, or I guess maybe didn't see Alex uh, see or hear Alex on, on, on the last episode. And, and before I forget, I, I realized I forgot my opening line, Alex. You gotta like, subscribe, rate, comment, do all those things. I definitely uh, forgot to ask people to do that last time. Yeah, well, <laughs> if, if you made it for Alex on the last episode, kind of talking about some tips for Unreal Fest, what it is, uh, then you already know what's up. Uh, but if you've never heard of this thing and you're interested in Unreal Engine, uh, Unreal Fest is an event each year. Um, well, in recent years, it's been each year. It hasn't always been that way. Um, that uh, is now in, hosted in New Orleans, and it's an awesome get-together of everything Unreal. It's a bit of a reunion um, for a bunch of us, but uh, also a really awesome event where people are sharing the latest and the greatest. And and so I had a great time this year. I had a fantastic time. I think I learned uh, some good lessons from last year. Um, You know, we were both talking about what worked and didn't about uh, last and real fest. And I took a lot of those lessons to heart. Uh, You want to know the biggest lesson I took away, Jacob? What's that? I decided not to go to any talks. (laughs) Yeah. You just made that decision right off the bat. Yeah. I don't want to see any, any outside information i want i want to be completely unbiased as to the doings of of the unreal engine community exactly what about you what were some of the the things you went in with uh, a ready strategy for i have to say that um last year i felt like i didn't make it to enough talks uh, <laughs> and i also felt like um I walked way too much um, getting from my hotel to the convention center. So at least I managed to, to solve those problems, but uh, I can't speak yeah. for the rest. I, I did make it to a lot of sessions this year. I'm, I'm very excited to talk um, about a bunch of them. Um, but yeah, there's just so much awesome content. I, you know, I, I was mentioning at the beginning, just the number of sessions was a little absurd. Um, every Every single slot had I don't know, maybe seven, eight sessions going on at the same time. We were told that the conference was twice as big this year. A big part of that was um, the the addition of the Unreal Engine, um, the Unreal Editor for Fortnite uh, users that that kind of joined the conference, which was which was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, a lot of things changed. I, I said last year I'm going to get to more sessions, and I, I think I managed it more or less this year. Uh, so that's that's always good. How many do you think you made it to? Probably around a dozen. Um, so I, 
yeah, th- each day I would guess there were probably five or six slots that you could make it to. And yeah, I think I'd make it. I made it to about a dozen uh, all in all. Cool. I saw a little bit of Snoop Dogg and both sessions I was in and then nothing else. <laughs> just throwing out Snoop Dogg already. Wow. Like that was. I know we're, we're giving a, a bit of a tease spoiler. for anyone that doesn't know. Uh, Snoop Dogg was there and his son. It was nuts. It was such a, a smoky fireside chat. <laughs> All right. So let's play this back from the beginning again for, for those folks who, who didn't get to make it. Um, we get there first day. We have a nice opening mixer in, in, in this kind of larger space. Everyone's getting to know each other. Um, anything uh, of note uh, just that, that first day for you, Alan? Um Something that started right away from the opening mixer and then just kind of continued the entire week was every time I had a plan of going from point A to point B, I was interrupted by me either seeing someone I was really excited to talk to or someone seeing me and seeming, you know, reasonably excited to talk to me as well. So constantly like, I'm going that way. Oh, hey, it's you. How are things? That was amazing. That thing you posted on the YouTubes or whatever. And uh, the community side of it was really a a huge highlight of me, just getting to see all these amazing people. And also um, the thing that struck me during the opening mixer was (laughs) getting carded and realizing happened last year huh i wonder why they're carding us this year uh jacob did you have any idea why they were carding us uh i couldn't imagine i i felt like maybe the venue just cracked down on it but yeah i think you're right i I was never carded last year the reason i figured this out pretty quick the reason oh that's right that's right yeah uefn there were under 21s there there were 20 year olds who several of whom i met running very successful companies uh building their worlds in uefn and making more money than uh you would think (laughs) yeah yeah uh there was a bunch of that i I guess there um yeah it it felt like a much more diverse community uh, rather than a lot of the you know don't get me wrong there are a lot of faces that i you know i i've seen before but certainly um, it looked a lot different this year. Uh, and, and I think all in all, everyone was excited about it. And I can confirm that Alex was legitimately stopped every like 10 feet. <laughs> I, I, you know, and, and we'll get into this, you know, we, we lost some members of the, the Unreal Engine community recently. I, I feel like that's only, you know, imp- improved your niche celebrity, uh, Alex, uh, in a way that uh, was apparent this year. <laughs> So going into Unreal Fest this year, it did seem like the layoffs, which we haven't really talked about yet, might put a bit of a, a damper over the festivities. How did you feel about that going into the the day, Jacob? Go, going into it, it, it was pretty unclear how everyone was going to react, right? I, I, I think there were some people who, I you know, this wasn't quite as, as close to the chest, you know, didn't know folks inside of Epic. And it was just kind of like, Oh, what's this going on at Epic? Like, it's kind of weird. Like, do I still want to be part of Unreal Engine if they're going to be, you know, have, struggling or whatever, right? Um, but, but for me, it was more that I, I didn't really know who had been laid off. Yeah. Um, and so going into it, I, it was a big question mark. Like, who's going to be there that, you know, from Epic and who's not? Um, and there were a lot of surprises <laughs> throughout the week. Um, of people that I was like, oh, well, I, I just realized the, this person's not here. And, oh, yeah, that person, got, you know, got let go. Um, 
So yeah, coming into it, I was just kind of interested to to see how that would play out. Um, but yeah, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I felt the same as you. Like it, it felt a little bit. Um, I felt trepidatious going in. I, I wasn't sure if it felt right to be as, as celebratory as last year. Um, and all week, you know, at least a few times a day, I was realizing like, oh my God, I can't believe so-and-so uh, got let go. And some of those people were huge heavy hitters at Epic Games who had a huge impact on, you know, the community, the engine, um, people who I spent time with, you know, last year at Unreal Fest, some people who I knew were meant to be speakers at this Unreal Fest and yeah. either their talks were, you know, canceled or they were replaced with something else. Um, but, you know, I guess it's it's worth mentioning. I didn't see this because I, I slept in, uh, but the morning of the um, the opening session and the live stream, uh, it seemed like. And were you there? Jacob, yeah, I was. I was coming out. Yeah. So what was it like for Tim Sweeney to come out on stage? No music, no razzle yeah. dazzle, just to kind of start on that somber moment. To be clear, he, he, he was not listed anywhere in the program. Right. Yeah. So. If you looked at the session details and took a peek at who was going to be talking, Tim Sweeney was not there. Um, so none of us really had any idea or, or thought that he would be there. He wasn't at Unreal Fest last year, as far as we know. Um, he was at GDC, but, you know, was he going to show up? And, you know, it, it, I don't think anyone was actually expecting him to address it. You know the the typical CEO playbook today in tech is not really to to address those things head on. Um, so you know we get in the session starts. They play. You know opening music is playing. We're like, you know they're trying to get everyone kind of ready and excited, and then it all shuts off. The screen's just black with Epic logo on it, and Tim Sweeney comes out and is like, "I'd like to talk about the layoffs and and address this from the start." Um, I think. You know, from from where I was, I was sitting. Everyone was, yes, a little shocked that he had done that, but everyone was paying very close attention to what he was saying. Um, and I don't think anyone that I spoke to felt like they walked away from that feeling like he was disingenuous or or that he had um, said the wrong things, quote unquote. Um, so I, I would say overall, like my personal opinion is that's a pretty tough spot to be in. Um, he's, he felt, uh, more or less honest about the situation though. I am sure that, you know, uh, in the end, there were a lot of people that were involved in the layoffs that, um, uh, probably had a lot of responsibility for the kind of experience that employees got during the layoffs. You know, a lot of people were just surprised you're fired or, or like, Hey, we're, for <laughs> were forgotten about and, and didn't know until many days after the rest of the layoffs that they had been fired, right? Like there's a lot of process there clearly that uh, Tim Sweeney is not directly responsible for, but had a big impact on, on a lot of the, you know, folks that I know that, that were talking on Twitter about it. Um, but he got up there and he dressed it and he said, you know, usually this is about celebration, but this year we're, you know, kind of in the shadow of this, this, you know, thing that kind of had to happen. We needed to stabilize the company and all that. So were you yeah. watching from the live stream? 
No, I, I literally just watched the talk he gave last night because they posted the uh, the opening session on YouTube because they didn't. Interestingly, that didn't, they didn't make that part of the live stream. Um, they started the live stream off with the proper like, ah, here we are at Unreal Fest. And uh, for a while, it seemed like Tim Sweeney speaking was only going to be uh, something that people at Unreal Fest got to hear, which seemed like it was going to be a bit of a problem because he's a little bit of a mumbler, like he's not a, a super articulate public speaker. And some of the things he said uh, got taken like very out of context or soundbitey or people thought they heard him say things that he didn't. And especially when he started talking about like, you know, uh, uh, new fees for non-gaming markets, some people, I think, completely overreacted to what seemed to me to be a very reasonable thing as someone yes. who has been using Unreal Engine for free for, you know, over eight years now. Like, yes, Unreal Engine deserves to have some of the money my company makes. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. So if I were to break this down for like folks who who weren't there or, or kind of didn't see it or, or aren't going to watch it, it would be he got up, he said, you know, Epic Games has had ups and downs. We've grown from 500 people to 5,000 people, and we're just paying the consequences of growing a little bit too fast and realizing that we need to conserve our, our finances more and make, you know, make more sound financial decisions. Essentially, you know, like they had a money printer. It was Fortnite. It's slowing down a little bit, so they have to kind of uh, make sure that they are financially stable. So that they can continue to build the things that they're building and, and continue to support communities. Um, and then he says, OK, so while well, we we laid people off where we consolidated. Uh, I don't know. He, he didn't really say this, but um, he kind of mentioned like mentioned offhand, like, oh, well, we consolidated some of our acquisition acquisitions yeah. stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, we're going to be moving Unreal Engine to a seat-based license for um, non-gaming use cases. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, you know, like, this is coming right off of the Unity kind of disaster, I, I feel like it's fair to say, yeah. uh, which we spoke about on, on a few episodes back. At um, and I, I was, when he said that, like, personally, I, it didn't offend me that much, but I was expecting a pretty big reaction from the crowd. Right, because Unreal Fest. So, like Unreal Fest last year was about fifty percent games and fifty percent, you know, other use cases. Right. I think the the graphic that they brought up was maybe actually closer to sixty percent games. But, anyways, right. This year, I mean, it's, it seems like maybe it was thirty forty percent UEFN, and then I would guess the rest was a pretty similar split, right, between non gaming and gaming. And so I was expecting. A, a fairly sizable reaction, and there really wasn't any. Um, I think most of the people who this would impact were like, yeah, okay, we kind of saw this coming, you know, like, we're getting so much for free. What could we, like, uh, it, it, it was actually very surprising for me that, that no one really reacted to that, and, and everyone seemed pretty okay with it overall. Yeah, it's all about the delivery and, you know, leveling with people, warning people, uh, saying right up front, like, this isn't all worked out yet. We just wanted to let you know this is going to happen. Um, and having it come from Tim Sweeney. Uh, one thing I guess also worth mentioning is John Riccatello is out of as yeah. Unity CEO. 
And that feels like a good decision. Um, one thing I've always enjoyed about, you know, Epic Games is the fact that it continues to be run by the person who started it. And Unity's kind of lost a little bit of that. In fact, I asked several people at Unreal Fest, like, can you tell me who created Unity, who actually wrote the original uh, source code or anything like that? And not a single person could no. tell me. Yeah. Well, as, as far as I know, I, I actually really don't know the backstory of Unity, right? Um, the backstory of Unreal, I think, has more interest because of kind of the, the role it played in, in very early gaming. Uh, but yeah, I actually, I, I really don't know the backstory of Unity. If someone out there is a <laughs> Unity fanatic that knows this backstory, come on the podcast. Talk to us about the history of Unity. Um, yeah. I think we're going to have Dilmer from LearnXR um, on the podcast soon, and I bet he could tell us. All right. Well, I'll I'll do a, a, sh a short summary of Unreal now that we're talking about yeah, it. Yeah, sure. But, you know, Unreal started in... Man, let, let me find an actual date before I just make something. <laughs> well, up. while you're finding some info, one other thing I, I just want to say about um, the layoffs and, and Tim Sweeney and everything there. Uh, first of all, the thing I kept thinking to myself was like, I wish the layoffs had just had a little more of a, you know, two weeks notice kind of vibe to it. Cause I think the biggest problem with them was they were so sudden and that everyone just seemed very taken aback by them, especially right ahead of Unreal Fest. And, you know, I thought, well, gee, wouldn't have been nice if, if that happened at least after Unreal Fest. But then something I heard a few people say is like, well, then the problem is you have a bunch of people like bonding with the community as Epic Games employees, and then they're no longer Epic Games employees. And my instinct is still that there would have been an elegant way to just make that known to everyone to like still let Unreal Engine employees, even the ones who are going to be laid off uh, from Epic Games, be at Unreal Fest if they were already going to be. <clears throat> but also be kind of helpful in that transition. You know, they're there to fulfill whatever duties they had um, running different lounges and manning different booths and giving different talks, but also being clear to people like, I'm not gonna be at Epic Games anymore. Here's who's gonna be taking over my responsibilities. Please stay in touch. You know, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, because the fact of the matter is six months of severance, pretty generous. Like, yeah, especially I was with about health to insurance say. and all that. I don't think there would have been a lot of bad blood from the outgoing employees if they were given enough warning and i feel like 95 percent of them still would have been good ambassadors even with the knowledge that this was going to be their their last unreal fest as epic games employees yeah I, I i mean i think you could see it a couple ways one is that they did this right at the end of the third quarter uh, yeah. third financial quarter Fiscal. so <laughs> my understanding is that they had investments for loans that they needed to refinance as a result of you know the, the financial situation and so they had to prove that they were on a positive income track at, you know, as soon as possible. And I guess it got more urgent than they expected. Yeah. Is, is what I would guess. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Like the severance they gave, as far as I understand, everyone six months of severance, which is insane. Yeah. Um, full pay. <laughs> like that's a pretty nice vacation. Uh, and he made very clear on stage, like, we only laid off good people because we only hired good people, mm -hmm. um, which is not a very nice thing to say um, if you're Tim Sweeney, because um, he didn't have to say that, right? Like, he, it, it's, it's off his hands. But um, so, yeah, I, I, I can see it that way. Um, I can see it the way you're looking at it, too, where, well, if you're going to give them six months severance, why not give them three months 
heads up and <laughs> three months severance and <laughs> let them live through Unreal Fest and finish up their work and, you know, whatever else they need to do. And if anyone wants to leave ahead of time, give them that option. And yeah, maybe they could have handled it, but maybe that would have had a different financial impact. And I don't know. It, it seems like a pretty sticky situation and they're a private company, so they don't really have to disclose, you know, their earnings and you don't have to really show us inside the current unless they want to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a bit of a, a shame, but I, I do feel like um, after the initial shock has worn off, people will be generally okay with most of the outcomes that were handed to them based on, on what I heard. Um, yeah. And, and knowing some of the people who were laid off who are, again, super talented, um, I'm sure some of that six-month severance is going to go toward funding some really exciting new projects, startups, um, things that some of those employees have had in their back pocket for a long time that now they kind of finally have the, the time and financial freedom to uh, make real. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to all that. Yeah, yeah for sure. 100%. You're going to tell um, us a brief history of Unreal. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So... Only, only to you know, garner a cult um, of Unreal, right? Um, so apparently, 1991 is the founding date, and Tim Sweeney um, founds uh, Epic Games, and they're working. The, the first game they ever work on is Unreal Tournament, um, and as part of that game, so this is like the same era as Doom and. You know, a bunch Castle of classic, games. you know, essentially the very origins of 3D games is, is what this um, is. It's a little later than most of those games, um, but still very early on. And in the process of developing Unreal Tournament, they realized they had something in the engine that they other developers wanted. Um, they they're like, oh, well, I want to make games. Can you give us you know, your source code. And whereas at that time, most people would say, hell no, like <laughs> that's our intellectual property. They said, oh, well, this is a business. Um, so as far as I'm aware, they they decided to out, out the gate, give people licenses to use the software and Unreal Tournament goes by, Unreal Tournament 2, and all of a sudden the engine starts making a lot more money than, you know, those games. Um, you know, past that, they had Gears of War was their next really big successful franchise. Uh, there's probably one I'm missing in there. Um, Unreal Tournament 3. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gears of War. Um, and then more or less Fortnite, right? Um, which is, you know, 30 years of history. Don't get me wrong. But the fact that... Uh, Unreal Engine as a piece of software has remained so cutting edge is pretty impressive, given that it's, you know, 30-ish years old. Um, but certainly it's changed a whole lot. I'm sure it, there's very little code that is still there. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's the brief history. And, and there's a lot of really interesting side stories of Tim Sweeney writing manifestos about open, you know, open or shared, you know, source code and yeah. and giving people perpetual licenses and like saying, yeah, this is yours. Go, you know, go make it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I'd be very interested to hear the, the story of Unity, but we're getting sidetracked um, yeah. or I'm getting sidetracked. I should say. <laughs> 
One final thing I'll say about um, Tim Sweeney before we dive into Unreal Fest proper. Um, I saw him a lot around the the conference center. Even when you and I were together, we saw him a few times. I never spoke to him, but I was just impressed by the fact that he had no entourage. He didn't have bodyguards. He didn't have handlers. He was just a guy in the pink Unreal Fest staff shirt wandering around, uh, saying hi to people, taking pictures with anyone who wanted to. And, you know, to the outside observer, some random Hilton employee or something like that, he probably just looked like, um, you know, a very friendly uh, old custodian or something (laughs) who had been working with this company for a while. Like no one would have thought like that's the guy who runs this enormous business. Yeah, no. uh, So, yeah, that, that first night that we were there, we were just standing, chatting, and all of a sudden, I see him and a group of, you know, I don't know, VPs or something walk in to what I later learned was the stage, probably to do a mic check or, you know, to so that to get shown the stage and what they would be doing or whatever. But he just walks by, and it it shocked me because he walked through this entire room full of Unreal Engine nerds. And he didn't get stopped once. <laughs> Everyone was super respectful. A lot of people didn't even realize it was him because he sure. doesn't dress any differently, right? It, he doesn't look like he is a you know uh, um, a celebrity uh, tech CEO, like not at all. Um, so yeah, I, I, I was very you know a little shocked because he just walked in, walked out, and it seemed like nothing had phased him and, and yeah. no one else felt like bothering him at all. <laughs> Alex and cool. I sadly didn't get a picture with Tim Sweeney, even though we had so multiple opportunities. Um, yeah. And, and, and the very last day we saw him in our hotel and someone else was taking photo and we're like, we should go try and get a photo. Um, and then right as we got there, he started walking out. We felt too bad. He was bad walking at like out. just brisk enough of a pace that it felt like he maybe had to be somewhere. Yeah. If he was walking like two miles an hour slower, I wouldn't have felt bad about being like, oh, hey, Tim, do you have a second? But not at that speed. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't feel like it. Anyways, all right. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the festival. So the, the opening keynote, Tim Sweeney gets up there. He addresses the room, you know, kind of. Puts this aside and says, hey, we know this happened, but this week is about celebrating. It's about you guys, right? Which is the right message. It's like, yes, Epic is, is hurting a little bit, but the, we do the things we do because we want to help you guys with what you do. So this is about you, right? Like very, you know, uh, I think a very good message overall. Um, but OK, so we get into the keynote and. Essentially, there's no big announcements this year. Uh, You know, Tim Sweeney kind of dropped the bomb with the, like, licensed seats right at the beginning. Um, But more or less, it was a lot of new faces on the stage because even a lot of the very high-up leadership was replaced. The biggest being uh, uh, the VP of Unreal, um, I guess, was let go. Who? Oh, sorry, who? The, the former VP of Unreal. Um, uh, I can't even remember his name. Um, so this is who Bill Clifford replaced? Correct. Uh, oh. Mark Pettit. Uh, yeah. Or, or, uh, no, 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 no. That's not right. That's not right. Um, okay, so... 
Yeah, no, that it was. Um, so Mark Pettit was general manager for Unreal and VP Unreal Engine ecosystem. And now um, he's and, as a consultant. And what? now he's a consultant. He was let that's go. Crazy. So that's that's. So yes, the, the the layoffs went pretty pretty high up. Yeah, um, I've, I've known Mark Petit for years. I when he still was at a a, a much lower level at Unreal. And, yeah. Um, so crazy. I mean, he was posting about it a lot on YouTube. So I don't think that on um sorry LinkedIn. I don't think there's any bad blood there. But fascinating. Yeah, I, maybe he decided it was time to go, or he disagreed with the decision, or who mm -hmm. knows? I I have no clue. Um, but new new faces. So um, a lot of that. Uh, we heard a lot about Unreal Engine for Fortnite. They dropped the bomb that Snoop Dogg was going to be there, and everyone <laughs> was pretty excited about that. And then uh, someone got up, their mic died, and I have to run for a, a call. So I didn't see the rest. Alex, <laughs> do, you, do you have any uh, context to add there? Well, you said there weren't any big announcements, and I think for the most part that's true. Even things that I think a lot of us were expecting, like, you know, when is Fab coming to the Unreal Engine editor? They kind of shuffled off into being like, ah, now it's going to be sometime in 2024. Um, but I did like that they revealed this little thing. Uh, that they call the, oh my God, that is so artifacty. I'm trying to share my screen. Uh, yeah. The Unreal Engine public roadmap, um, uh, which yeah. we've looked at this many times in the past, but now there's a new tab called forward looking. And the forward looking roadmap is um, really just all the things that are being worked on that are going to potentially come at some point, but we don't quite know uh, when and by the way, dear listeners, if any of you remember a couple episodes ago when uh, Jacob and I were really excited about something and then there was a big empty spot for a bit. Oh, thank you, Jacob. There yep. was a big empty spot inside the um, the podcast. That was because we had seen something on the Unreal Engine 5.3 roadmap that I was told by Epic was put there by accident and it was supposed to go into this forward looking roadmap. And that was the desktop renderer on mobile devices. Um, thing that basically says Lumen Nanite coming to Vulcan. Very exciting. And we were so happy about that. But then we're told, like, don't talk about that till after Unreal Fest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of really cool stuff in here, for the record. Um, a lot of stuff that um, I expected, um, some that I definitely did not. Um, so uh, some path tracing improvements. I won't go there. Um, that a lot of the interesting stuff was actually for me, and I I, I heard a lot about this at um, at the conference about um, a lot of the changes to running editor, uh, either you know for teams in a collaborative sense or or in new environments like the cloud, um, dependency tracking. That's mm -hmm. it. If if you work in infrastructure or you work in trying to orchestrate the engine for tasks outside of games. This is one of the big things that Unreal Engine was was kind of missing. Um, hey, Jacob, yeah. talk about these for a second. I really need a glass of water, so just keep All going. Right. I can keep right going back. for a long time. So <laughs> Great. We're, we're, keep we're going, good. keep going. All right, so a bunch of other very interesting infrastructure, um, kind of like uh, good-to-haves that probably people would overlook. Um, one of the big ones is virtual assets. So if you're a studio and you have, you know, 30, 40, 50, you know, artists, programmers, or whoever who are working on uh, an engine build, 
let's say particular particularly your programmer you might not need actually all of the assets that come with a project um you know just to do your job so let's say you're a programmer you're working on a specific feature and you're going to be inside of your code editor the majority of the day but in order to work on the project to compile it and to test it you need to have um you know the full project file essentially so runtime virtual assets it takes um essentially the headers from you assets so it says here's what i am here's where i am in the scene here's all the things i do um and even has the, the actual data to present to the engine so the engine can render it. However, all the bulk data, so meaning like the actual assets that you uploaded, so let's say you open, you know, you upload an FBX, um, the U asset is a separate you know, file, it essentially gets converted, right? It's gonna leave all that bulk data, all, all of the, the imports and, and everything that makes the project files kind of blow up. It's gonna leave that somewhere else in some distributed shared place so that all 50 you know, uh, employees can all access it, but you're only gonna access it when you need it. Um, and so for folks who have dealt with the engine when it comes to things like Perforce or, or collaborating, like this is a big deal because it, it really is just gonna make such a big difference in the lives of people who are you know, using the engine on a day-to-day -day basis for, for larger productions. Um, there's a lot of talk, uh, uh, <laughs> I shouldn't say a lot of talk, there, there is a lot of stuff here about um, kind of how to work with the engine in terms of building the engine and a lot of these tasks that, again, if you use the engine a lot, these are some of the things that really affect your day-to-day -day quite a lot. Um, and, and Alex, we'll, we'll talk about this a little later. Um, one of the, the, the really great talks that I got to this year was from TensorWorks, and uh -huh. they had a really um, uh, awesome few slides about the, the work they're doing in virtualizing Windows on Linux using Wine and Proton. Um, and one of the really cool use cases that they showed was building a Windows build of the engine. So like building DirectX, you know, engine versions inside of Linux, which is ah, like- That's cool. <laughs> the, the holy grail if you're a nerd like me and you think about things <laughs> like, how am I going to build a thousand versions of the engine at once well, that's not really all that practical inside of Windows, but if you were able to virtualize inside of Linux, it just opens the door for so much. So there's a lot of really cool stuff like that going on uh, in the world of Unreal. Um, and then, yeah, I, I mean, there's really just so much here. Uh, Alex, what stood out to you? Uh, in oh, this, I can't uh, even remember. There, I mean, there's a ton of stuff there. The, the, definitely the biggest one to me is knowing that um, Lumen and Nanite will be coming to um, yeah, mobile devices, especially maybe things like, you know, a Quest 3, which just came out today. Fun fact. Yeah. Did you get one? Uh, I did. And <clears throat> not to uh, go down a VR tangent, but this is the first headset that I I've always received all every new VR headset like day one. Um, and this is the first time where I still received a day one. Haven't opened it yet. Just like it wow. wasn't the most important thing on my list today. And I wasn't as excited about this as all the previous headsets. So, you know, I'll check it out when I have time. <laughs> That's a bad signal, I gotta say. <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, th there's there's so much here. Uh, I really recommend people check it out. Yeah. All right, well, let's dive into uh, some more of the events at Unreal Fest, some of the sessions we saw, 
um, right after. So one of the reasons why I also slept in a little bit from uh, the opening keynote was I also had to run right to um, the labs because right after the opening session finished, um, I was giving a lab on diving deep with MetaHuman Animator. And it was uh, fun for a couple reasons. First of which was, uh, from what I heard, the opening session was running a little bit over. And um, that meant, I'm trying to move my screen share over here. Um, that meant that uh, a lot of people were late, but I was told, like, keep the session under an hour. I was trying to get people to go through the full process of setting up their uh, metahumans uh, and, you know, doing a take and bringing it onto their computer. And what I found out pretty quick was I hadn't done the network settings correctly. I knew I wasn't going to be able to let people transfer MetaHuman Animator data over the Unreal Fest network. So I brought a nice little Nighthawk router. I tested it the day before during my tech check and all the data was transferring fine. But I didn't realize that because of the way the ports work there, if everyone uses their default settings, they're all trying to go through the same port. So what happened in the middle of me teaching the session was I was like, OK, everyone, now transfer <laughs> your MetaHuman Animator data to the computer oh, and then no. I kept talking and people were like, uh, sir, I, I, it didn't work. And I'd be like, oh, you're just gonna go back, press this. And I kept talking. And then like, I, I suddenly realized literally no one in the class was able to transfer their data. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, this is weird. Uh, and I figured out later, I was told by, by Cammy, who's very smart and knows a lot about metahuman stuff that, uh, yeah, everyone would have needed their own port. Um, so what unfortunately ended up happening was, um, I did create a project that had kind of every step of the way, um, good to go in there. And, um, what I happened was I'd walk around the room and I saw that basically what everyone had to do was use my data, my face, the stuff that I'd already put in there to just create 30 different copies of me as a metahuman, which felt very, I don't know, self-indulgent, yeah. uh, when I really did want everyone to be able to create their own, uh, metahuman animator character. Uh, and the labs, yeah, just a comment on the labs in general. I thought they were uh, amazing. They're the only thing that's not recorded at all at Unreal Fest. And uh, all those sessions are like really great opportunities to dive into a, a particular topic. Um, they sold out super fast. I told everyone, treat them like T-Swift con concert tickets. And uh, indeed, they were gone like right at 11 a.m. the day when they, they became available. But the other thing I said also held true, which is that if you showed up to a session a little early, you waited in line, you were able to get in. And so pretty much everyone who I know who really wanted to go to a particular lab session um, was able to participate. Jacob, did you go to any labs? I did not make it to any. There were definitely a few that I wanted to go to. Um, I probably actually wouldn't have loved to go to all of them. But uh, yeah, uh, they sold out too quickly. I, I can't remember what I was doing, but I, I didn't manage <laughs> to, to jump on that. Uh, so yeah. Uh, I, I was bummed that I didn't get to make it to your session or a bunch of the other really interesting uh, uh, labs. Yeah. The, the bell of the ball for the labs was one they were doing, I think, every day called the Unreal Engine Story Development Workshop. Uh, this was a two hour lab in lab room four, and it had like nine instructors. And I'll, I'll read what the description said, which was. Um, Unreal Engine includes many virtual production tools such as virtual camera, VCam, and take recorder and can empower creatives to explore and produce their vision. This lab is two hours hands-on workshop focused on using Unreal Engine virtual production tools for visualizing story. So not only were people given the opportunity to like, you know, use a virtual camera to uh, go around and, and set everything up uh, and record things, they were also using the Mokapi Sony 
uh, mocap system to also get like live metahumans animated. And there are also incredible experts there like the Corys, uh, Corey Straussberger from Kite and Lightning and, and Corey Williams from A Million Things, OG YouTuber, uh, in those sessions kind of helping everyone uh, understand how to make compelling let's call it like VTuber content. So I didn't actually get to participate in these, but I got to hear through the grapevine what an amazingly useful two hour session that was for people who really wanted to get their feet wet using these tools and were given, you know, the guidance of some of the, the best in the business to help them out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that sounds awesome. Um, one, one of the big losses from the layoffs is the scaling down of the fellowship. Yeah. Right. So uh, for those who, who had never heard of this, the fellowship was a program where essentially they would pay you to go and learn Unreal Engine, uh, which is insane. Right? It was like $10,000. It was a, a not insignificant amount to go learn Unreal Engine. Yeah. So wh which is insane, right? Like for, <laughs> for most companies, that is just a pretty crazy proposition. And, and you could say, well, I can see why they ran out of money. Well, <laughs> yes. And um, unfortunately, they had to scale down that program, um, which is a shame. There were a lot of people who loved it. Um, yeah. I only really heard really positive stuff uh, about the fellowship. So and it is sad to hear that that's you know, maybe coming to an end. Um, but I think it's an opportunity for a lot of people to step up and, and maybe do more of the hands-on lab kind of stuff that we get in Unreal Fest. Um, yeah. Certainly... You know, we can both speak a little bit to instructing. You're going to take this torch and run with it. Um, and if you want to give a quick plug, I, I, I approve <laughs> of that. Yeah, I, I did mention briefly in, in the last episode that um, I now have an authorized training center, the very first one in Manhattan, which is kind of mind blowing that uh, no one has done that yet. And I also gave my first free course yesterday, which was very cool. It was um, to a nice crowd of about 40 people uh, and it was all free to start because I'm trying to get, give people a nice introduction to Unreal. Um, and honestly, like, don't quote me on this, but I'll probably do the free course like once a month intro to Unreal just to kind of get people uh, introduced. And then I'll probably only charge for the more advanced things. You know, today we're doing pixel streaming or the re remote control API. Uh, but the thing that's most exciting to me about this is the courses that um, Jacob and I were involved with teaching and um, creating as part of the instructor led training program within Epic. Uh, we weren't allowed to teach those by default to, to others, no one outside of who Epic was specifying as like a, a, a very special partner. But now as an authorized training center, all those courses are now um, available and I can teach um, all of those, both the courses that I've helped create and uh, the ones that others have. So it feels really good to be spreading the, the gospel on that. My, my talk at Unreal Fest last year, the OpenXR one, was very much intended to take the course that I'd made about OpenXR and make that a little bit more public. And now I don't need to adapt these things into Unreal Fest talks. I can just teach them the way I want to, which is lovely. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm hoping that, um, like you said earlier, with a lot of folks who were, you know, let go and now have six months to build an awesome project, I'm hoping that we see more people like say, hey, I know Unreal Engine. I bet people would <laughs> like to, to learn about it and, you know, make new communities um, as a result of it. I think that'd be a, a, a great outcome. Um, and look, you're way ahead of them. You already got the first training center in, in, in Manhattan. So, you know, I, I feel like you're in a good spot here. Yeah, especially yeah. for hands-on training, because that's the only thing that gets a little difficult sometimes is when you're doing everything over Zoom to teach something like, you know, virtual production or VR, where you really do want equipment and hardware. 
that's kind of hard. So I'm, I'm really excited about having some folks in New York City or bringing people to places like Zero Space or uh, Pier 59 Studios where you can be much more hands-on with this different uh, equipment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, let's talk about a few sessions um, yeah. outside that. Um, I got to a, a, a bunch of sessions, like I said. Um, like going into it, I, I think the, the topics I really wanted to hear more about were PCG, like the latest in Lumen and Nanite, uh, because every release we get Lumen and Nanite improvements, and it's kind yeah. of a little bit difficult to follow exactly what is capable of these days. Um, PCG, Lumen and Nanite, and then uh, a few other things like Substrate I wanted to hear more about. Um, and, you know, some of the new skeletal, skeletal editor stuff, like Skeletor editor would be yeah, very yeah, cool yeah, in the yeah, future. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I, I was excited to learn about all those. Um, and kind of right off the bat, I was pretty, um, I, I managed to make it to a few really interesting interesting talk. So one of the talks I went to was on optimizing um, games for Lumen and Nanite. So, nice. you know, coming from the world of having to optimize with LODs, HLODs, and, you know, draw calls and everything else, like it's a very different world. I learned a very, a bunch of very interesting things like, uh, for example, uh, man, I can't talk tonight. Um, <laughs> for, for example, um, when you're using something like Lumen, everything gets drawn, Lumen and Nanite together, really. Everything gets drawn based on material. Um, so it's not material and instance. It's really just material. And then it's subcategorized into a few different categories based on what type of material it is. And there's a whole new kind of optimization pattern that you have to follow for things like masked materials that really weren't in consideration. Translucency still takes a pretty big hit. Like there are a bunch of really interesting things that I felt like I walked away from that. Um, another big one is like, don't have too many overlapping um, pieces of geometry. Like, yes, you can have a lot of geometry, but if you, you know, run overdraw. into issues with overdraw, uh, overdraw is still very much a thing. Um, and, and that was certainly interesting. So for example, nanite foliage, being careful that even if you're using nanite foliage, that um, it might be tempting to do things like, you know, use uh, nanite with individual, you know, geometry for every strand of grass. And while it's possible, don't get me wrong, um, it's not necessarily practical um, and, and can lead to issues. Um, you know, I, yeah. I, I remember watching Brian Karras's talk on um, nanite where he showed the the Pixar Moana scene that has individual, you know, geometry for every blade of grass. And I was thinking back to this, like, well, how come Pixar can pull it off? It's like, well, probably Pixar scenes are a little cleaner than most people who are kit bashing with, with Nanite. And the intention, more or less, with Nanite is to allow for kit bashing. Um, so it's more about being careful and knowing, you know, kind of the consequences of your actions. Um, I learned a bunch of nuance with hardware versus software, um, both for... Um, ray tracing, um, and for, um, there's a hardware and software pass for, man, the presenter would be very upset with me right now because this was a major point. Um, so hardware versus software ray tracing, I learned that 
if you do software ray tracing with Lumen, um, it's far more scalable. You get much more performance. It's not usually what you expect when you hear software or anything, because most time in software uh, is slower. Um, but clearly what they've done is they turned software into their like scalable path. Hardware is for highest fidelity. Um, that was very new to me. Um, I don't feel like I walked into that. Uh, I, I would just always turn it on to hardware because, hey, I got the hardware. Might as well use it. Um, so, yeah, I, I learned a bunch of stuff on that. PCG, um, I actually felt like most of the content that I saw felt pretty flat, like very interesting, very exciting. Um, I didn't see anything that was that captivating. Um, and then I guess for those other main topics like Substrate, I saw an, an amazing talk about Ferrari and using Substrate. I learned a lot about paint um, uh, and I saw some really incredible uh, they, they had a demo there uh, that was that's not being shared publicly yet, um, where they had a um, a Ferrari that was being rendered in real time, where they showed the side by side with the path tracer, the you know deferred path with Lumen and Nanite, and the reference photos. And my God, you could hardly tell the difference <laughs> across the three. It, it was incredible. Um, I, I I'm very excited for this demo to come out uh, for people to check it out. Um, and, and substrate, I, I was very excited at uh, kind of seeing it. It takes a while. It took a, me a while uh, um, to intuit kind of how to piece it together. And I haven't even been hands on with it yet, um, but pretty excited. And, and one of the big takeaways there is that substrate is the replacement for the material system. It's not an and or an or. It's like uh -huh. this is where the material system is going. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, they, they were very explicit about that. Is like, we are getting rid of the old material system. Substrate is coming in. It is not going to be a, um, it's going to be a full replacement. And um, I still don't quite understand how strata materials fit in all that. Do you know, Jacob? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so inside of um, substrate, each like uh, um, each layer, so to speak, is a slate. Now, there was a kind of halfway point material system called Strata that was designed for layering uh, different materials. But it's very different than Substrate because what Substrate does is it has both a surface component and an actual like physical thickness, which has its own properties to it. And that's where a lot of the magic comes. So, for example, you know, with car paint, um, man, could I talk about car paint? Um, <laughs> with car paint, you might have a very reflective top coating, um, you know, from a clear coat or something like that. And then the next, and that might not have any thickness to it. It might be super thin and mostly reflective. Or you might have an under, you know, a thick base coat that might have a very strong, you know, uh, uh, like, um, color and then the thickness has like metallic flakes in it or has some thickness that scatters light in an interesting way um, and all of these things I you know kind of lend to much better re reproduction of the materials themselves uh, just because in, re in in the real world materials have thickness um, and like uh, again can't re I, I don't want to get in trouble with Unreal Engine or Ferrari for saying too much about this demo it's coming publicly um, but for example, they had like a tail light um, where 
light was coming through the taillight, refracting through just the thickness of the plastic that wasn't defined in the geometry. It was defined in the material and was casting a, a different colored like uh, um, caustic pattern on the side of the car, which is just incredible, right? Like, um, like just you, you could not do that with the previous material system. I was watching the whole thing saying, wow, there's just no, there's, there would be no way to do this. Um, or it would be extremely complicated and time consuming to figure out. Um, so yes, very excited for it. We're moving away from the standard PBR approach, which like trying to define everything with, is it metallic? Is it rough? Um, and a normal map is just not sufficient. Anymore. So very excited cool. for this. Thanks for that explanation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, there was a lot that uh, I got from, that was just like, uh, well, Ferrari was on the last day, but the, the, like that was just the first day. Um, there, there's just so much to, to talk about here. <laughs> um, so not to be a, a bit of a Debbie Downer, but I did ask uh, my team members, I brought some employees from my company to Unreal Fest. Uh, and by the way, we had an Airbnb, like a, a block from the conference center, which was great for bringing people over for like VR demos and stuff like that. Highly recommend other people and companies try that next time. But I asked them because a bunch of them went to the talks. What did you think? And the general consensus was good content, uh, very monotone, unenthusiastic delivery of most of that content. Did you see any of that? Yeah, I, I ended up switching sessions a couple times where there's something that I was like, oh, I'll, I'll be interested in that. I got a few minutes in. I'm like, I don't know if this is really for <laughs> me. Um, and then I went and there happened to just be, you know, six, seven other sessions going on. So I just picked another <laughs> one. And almost always after, you know, kind of rerouting, I would find something I was interested in. One Actually, one of my best surprises was I, I was going to, well, here, I guess I have two examples. The first one was I was going to a talk on PCG. I got in and the presenter was just like kind of moving a little too slow. I, I felt bad for him because it, it actually felt like he might have been a replacement for someone who might have been fired, uh, um, yeah. which is never an easy position to be in. Um, but I left and I said, oh, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to make Chris Murphy's talk this year. Oh, sure. Um, so Chris Murphy, who's one of the uh, evangelists for senior probably, evangelists, yeah, probably the the, the most well known evangelist, uh, maybe one of the most well known <laughs> uh, evangelists uh, based out of Australia. Every year, usually does some sort of like brain dump of everything he thinks is interesting in Unreal Engine that you might not know of, and really what that means is that you sit there for like thirty minutes, an hour, saying, "Wow, I didn't know that. Wow, I didn't know that. Wow," is like. You, you spend the whole time saying, you know, either hating yourself or, you know, doing something in a very complicated way that you could have done in, in one click. Or you're like, wow, I've, I want to try all this stuff. Um, but this year I made it. And he talked about a bunch of really interesting stuff that I had not heard about. Um, he highlighted things like the virtual asset system. He highlighted, you know, like, I can't even repeat it. it, it again, he, he goes blazing fast. And he talks about so much, um, but it's always so impressive. And I really recommend um, going on YouTube and watching some of his talks uh, because, yeah, he goes one after another with like important things that he thinks you should know about Unreal. And, and most of the time he's right. Um, <laughs> so really, I, I, I would recommend that. Um, so that was one example. I got to go see Chris Murphy this year. 
Um, and then another one was I was at um, a talk about uh, there was a talk about uh, Unreal Engine in the cloud, which was kind of relevant for the stuff I do day to day. Um, and I got like five minutes into it. I was like, wow, this sucks. No offense to the speaker. I, I mean, it, I, I probably a lot of it was like I hear this stuff every day. So I'm not uh, I'm a little jaded to it, I guess. But um, I said, uh, OK, I'm going to go find something. Else. And there happened to be a Hogwarts legacy talk going on. Uh, at the same yeah. time. And it was a talk on the narrative systems that they built for Hogwarts Legacy. And it was super, super cool. So um, they were showing off this uh, timeline system that they built. Uh, the guy who was speaking, and I don't remember name, so I apologize. Hopefully we can find this recording. Um, he was showing off, a, he, or sorry, he, he was making a point that all narrative is, you know, lives in this fourth dimension on, on a timeline. Um, and so he had faced a lot of challenges in previous studios. He said, we're going to build our own system for this um, that's based on a relative timeline. So this is not even really a term I was familiar with. So you have an absolute timeline in editing and stuff like that where you place everything inside of a fixed window. Um, and every one of your tracks is on a timeline from frame one to frame whatever, right? Um, same with something like Sequencer inside of Unreal, right? Like you place everything on a specific frame number. Um, but what they did is that they built a system that is all relative. So you would say, okay, this bit of dialogue, this animation, this story event is gonna happen 20 frames after this other one. Uh, and so it was a really interesting thing that they built. And, and um, essentially what it allowed them to do is for some of the more open-ended story notes were like, they wanted it to be very reactive or they wanted players to feel like it was a more organic conversation um, or they just had so much going on and they didn't want to do it all inside of sequencer and, and event triggers and stuff like that. Um, they were able to just kind of lay it all out on one timeline, which was very impressive from my perspective, like everything from, you know, animations, story beats, like um, being able to specify um, kind of long-term narrative, you know, pieces. It, it was very, very interesting. Um, they clearly built a lot of really cool tools for this project. Um, that, for example, they had a, a custom widget, which was their own window that had their script for all of the scenes in Hogwarts Legacy. And they could click on the script and it would sync with their timeline and take you to the right frame that they were working on um, so that, like, you could read the script and see where you were in the story or click on the next part of the script and work on that line, like work on staging that phrase, um, which I thought was was really, really cool. I actually made it to a talk after that uh, with some of the tech leads about some of the stuff that they'd done um, for building the, the game in terms of like uh, what tooling they'd built for testing and QA and, and they built a, a bunch of really interesting stuff there, but it's maybe not as exciting for a podcast format. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll maybe skip that. So I actually watched a, a fair bit of the uh, Hogwarts legacy talk uh, on the live stream. Um, one, I think I was like preparing for my, uh, my talk on Wednesday and just wanted like something in the background. And I, I found it pretty interesting. If anyone else wants to check it out, it's in the day one Unreal Fest day one live stream. Uh, five hours and nine minutes into it, and it is given by Eric Brown from WB Games Avalanche. Yeah. 
highly recommend. Uh, if you're like thinking about building narratives, I, I think this is a really interesting example. Oh, and if, if you still have that, uh, that public roadmap, um, that was one of the things that caught my eye on it, actually, which the Hogwarts legacy talk made me think of it, which is I believe they mention relative timelines um, or relative sequences or something like that uh, inside. Dynamic that sequencer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah let let so, me read. I actually I just controlled F this. I haven't read this, so we'll discover <laughs> ahead, this together. Ahead. Um, provides a set of features that enable and support dynamic user-defined operations of data. Um, condition tracks set the active states of an animation track based off a condition. Yeah. Parameter parameterized keyframes change the value of a keyframe to a different value based on user-defined runtime logic. And subsequence play rate dynamically change the play rate to selectively speed up or slow down sequences, subsequences for gameplay artistic performance reasons. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely uh, some of the the DNA uh, of that talk in here. Um, I'll I'll be very excited to see kind of uh, where this goes. Yeah, so that's really exciting. Um, okay, uh, other things to note about the festival: uh, the sugar mill party. Oh, actually, I guess the Snoop Dogg talk was before that. But um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about some of the social side of, of everything. So there were the talks going on. There were the labs. There were um, exhibit booths. There were you know, meals and, and everything was catered. Um, what struck you about the, the stuff going on outside of the core learning content, Jacob? Outside of the core learning comment, uh, content. Well, for one, I drank way too much beer. Um, <laughs> uh, because... I had like zero beer. I had nothing but like sugary cocktails. <laughs> yeah, well, that, see, that's the thing is all of the like all the mixers only had beer. Um, mm. which was for me a bit of a shame, but that's a side note. Um, outside of that, I, I mean, for, for, for me and I, I know for you, like, uh, this conference out of all the conferences that I, I go to during the year is very much like a reunion, uh, with yeah. a lot of folks that I really enjoy catching up with and, and learning what they're doing. And, and, you know, I, I really enjoy seeing what people are doing with unreal. Um, so yeah, the, every year it's exciting to see that, um, and this was no different. I would say outside of Unreal, one of the most exciting things that that you know was to learn about was the UEFN ecosystem. Uh, honestly, mm -hmm. I, I was very surprised um, to learn more about that. Um, we made a mutual connection, JJ, who yeah. uh, I think will. Hey, JJ, thanks for being we, a listener. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll definitely have on the podcast in the future. Um, we had an awesome conversation though about UEFN and that ecosystem and how it's developing the sort of creator e ecosystem that's coming out of that, that I think is really exciting um, and lends towards the sort of accessibility of the tools, you know, that, that we use every day, but, you know, bringing that to a wider audience that can make use of them in, in very new ways. Um, and, and so I think that's very exciting. Um, so I, I think that was one of my biggest takeaways and, and anything for you, Alex? Um, let me give a quick timeline of, of my, my social activities um, over the week, because, again, this really was all about connecting with people for me. So uh, arrived Saturday, Saturday night, went to see the creator from Gareth Edwards with a bunch of people. Uh, super cool. Sunday night did the full Bourbon Street experience up and down. We kept saying, like, ah, we'll just do one more, one more, one more. And uh, we were in like amazing jazz clubs and karaoke bars and piano bars and um, I think made it might have consumed like 18 drinks 
fun fact about me, I have never, <laughs> I want to say like properly um, uh, had a hangover in my life before. And I really thought this was going to be the night where it happened. I didn't have enough water. I didn't have enough food in my stomach. All the red herrings or red herrings, the red flags of like, you're going to have a rough morning tomorrow. We're there. <laughs> and the next morning I woke up kind of dizzy, like a little dizzy. That's it. Felt totally fine. Um, so I don't know. I have some weird superpower that allows me to drink Very an insane amount of alcohol and be totally fine. Um, then Monday night, uh, Zero Space, uh, my friends over in Brooklyn, they had a great party at their Airbnb. We brought over some VR headsets and tried to provide some light entertainment of that. Uh, Tuesday night, I went to the dinner from Hathora, which was really cool. They're an awesome like Unreal Engine multiplayer company. That's where I got to hang out with um, some really incredible UEFN creators, among other people as well, doing things in Unreal. Uh, the guy next to me, I saw everyone was ordering their drinks and he ordered a Roy Rogers. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, I'm 20. I can't order anything except this. I said, good for you. You're amazing. And he told me about how his company started when he uh, realized he was really good at Minecraft and we wanted to create uh, a competition where he could show off to people how good he was at Minecraft. And started to make a lot of money from that. And then he did something similar with Roblox and then started to do the same thing with UEFN. And now he's 20 years old being like, yeah, I can probably drop out of college. And I've got this like very successful company that's working across these different platforms. Um, if one of those platforms fails, you know, the other ones are still going to uh, support them. So that was cool. Um, and then where are we? That's a uh, Tuesday night. Then right, I, can't, I went right from that to the the influencer party. Did you catch this? It was over in like the La Nouvelle ballroom. There was an influencer po party. That's that's yeah, right. Yeah, it was it was unclear who was supposed to be at this. I think I decided in the end it was supposed to be for UEFN creators. I caught the very tail end of it. Um, got to say a quick hi to like Matt Workman and um, and some really cool folks from Epic Games uh, who I recognize like Dean Reinhardt and stuff like that. Um, but that was like just toward the end of it. I watched uh, Matt Workman's vlog, by the way, which is a great visual recap of everything at Unreal Fest. And I, I didn't feel too bad missing it because he mentions in there that it was like way too loud. Like the music was so loud during that party, you couldn't really talk to anyone. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here not necessarily to listen to loud music, but to actually talk to people. So it was OK with that. And then we arrive at Wednesday and Wednesday was like the big, big giant, giant party, party. Uh, at the sugar mill. But yes, what was right before the sugar mill, Jacob? Right before the sugar mill, was that Snoop Dogg? Or, that was Snoop Dogg, yeah. Okay, yeah, that was Snoop Dogg. All right, so. The very firesidey, smoky chat. Yeah, so, you know, we, no one really knew what the Snoop Dogg <laughs> talk was going to be. They, they didn't preface it. Um, I thought for sure it was going to be like a 30 minute ad for NFTs or something, right? Like, <laughs> sure. I, I really, I did not have high hopes for it. Um, but all in all, he got up there and I walked away being like, wow, that was pretty cool. Um, good conversation. I, I, I said this to Alex is like Snoop Dogg can make absolutely anything sound cool. <laughs> yeah. Like he was, he was saying some things that if came out of my mouth would sound idiotic. Um, <laughs> but he, he, yeah, he, he just makes sound so, so cool. Um, and so he was talking about. Uh, he and his son were there um, talking about how they're getting more involved in, in games and content and they're building a game studio and they're using UEFN, they're building, you know, uh, uh, short films. And um, it actually ended up being very interesting. So it, you were there, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah so you, I, that was literally the only thing that I actually sat in a chair to watch because I was curious what's going to happen. Um, I thought I thought it was cool the father son dynamic as well, and it was a little bit sad when uh, Bill Clifford, who was doing the interview, was like, "Oh, so you guys play video games together?" And Snoop Dogg kind of looks like you know a little despondent and says, "Like, nah, he don't want to play with me no more. Yeah, <laughs> like, my son, it, he's grown up. He doesn't want to spend time with his dad." <laughs> sad, but uh, it, it was actually end up end up being a, a a conversation that was at least fun to listen to, right? Like, yeah, just because if Snoop Dogg said it. It sounded cool, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it was cool. Uh, and and all in all, I, I I didn't walk away feeling like I just watched a huge ad, even though it was. Um, yeah. So that was pretty cool. Last year on the podcast, I covered um, Meta Connect pretty well because there were the announcements about the the Quest Pro and all that. I don't think I've said anything about Meta Connect this year because not that much other than hey a quest 3 and legs are you know on their way and stuff like that and the unreal engine plugin is still lagging way behind the unity plugin but uh snoop dog actually was a pretty big part of meta connect this year because yeah. uh, such a big part of it was facebook talking about their ai initiatives and how uh they really think you're gonna love it when snoop dog can be your ai dungeon master so you know there was a lot of that talk and a lot of announcements in that vein i mean yeah sure <laughs> Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I actually didn't. I I didn't watch really any of MetaConnect, so I, I I have no comments on it. But yeah, that's fine. So I was really excited to go to the sugar mill stuff because last year I uh, completely missed the uh, the parade, the the big yeah. you know Wednesday night event, so to speak, because I had been on the phone with a client for most of Unreal Fest last year. I missed a lot of it, and then uh, I had to skip the parade because I had to get my talk ready. I hadn't really worked on it at all. So I, you know, got out of the last thing I was doing right before the parade started, went back to my hotel and then worked like right until 3 a.m. until I felt like my talk was in a reasonable place. Remember, it was like an hour and 45 minutes long. So there was a lot of yeah. material to cover. And then I passed out and woke up and, you know, went and gave it. So I definitely felt like I missed out on the big social event last year. And I was fully intending, by the way, Jacob, to stay at the sugar mill as late as that would go and to explore all the carnival and dancing and everything. But then someone had to invite me to a really cool thing uh, yeah. off campus. Or and I, gotta, I had to go to that. We got to You got to see some jazz when you're in New Orleans. <laughs> right. Um, and up to that point, I hadn't been to any jazz. And for me, that's, you know, like an empty hole in my heart. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, the party was awesome. Um, it was a carnival theme. Alex spent a good amount of time trying to win some stuffed animals. Um, I won my first one very, very quickly. Yeah. And then wanted to get the second one because I have two kids. Jacob had a very clever strategy to try to help me win, which didn't work. And then we gave up. And then I remembered that one of the swag bag items was actually a stuffed bumblebee. So my kids were totally fine. <laughs> but uh, it was it was cool. I mean, it was a much larger venue um maybe not much larger. it was larger um and did it, you try it was, the tater tots i did i did try the tater tots tater tots were great um popcorn was good a lot of fun games it was a good time all in all it was a really good time um Ooh. and it was right across the street so it, it was yeah, like really as simple easy. as it could be um, some of my f most enjoyable conversations during the party were actually with some of the mods from the Unreal Slackers channel, which I think is now called Unreal Source, uh, which was neat because that's a channel that I 
only pop into here and there and discord isn't generally my friend but they're super awesome amazing mods amazing people and they actually did a nice job of kind of helping me feel less afraid or less anxious or bothered by discord and i really appreciated that they took the time to be like well here's how to address all of your concerns about too many notifications and too many channels and you know mentions and all that yeah well i mean and I, there's a bunch of those communities that i i feel like you know, i i don't even touch um and maybe i should <laughs> maybe i should yeah i i think there were a lot of interesting conversations that came out of that but we had to make it to jazz yeah, we did. So we shipped it over to Frenchman Street and spent the rest of the night there. Uh, <laughs> ran into some folks along the way, and uh, what can I say? It was a good time. What uh, Jacob, the the jazz club we went to, because we went to a couple. The first one we went to uh, was there a special guest of any oh, sort? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if this is relevant for the Unreal Engine podcast, <laughs> but uh, the unofficial Unreal Engine podcast. Sorry. Um, we can talk but, about it anyway. uh, yeah, I mean, so one of the one of my favorite jazz clubs on Frenchman Street is, is Snug Harbor, which is like more of a classic jazz joint, more similar to what you get in New York, where you sit down and and you know really talented musicians they play for you. Um, and there was a special guest, which was a guitarist Chris King that I really love, um, and I it was a total surprise, but I had a great time. I have a signed book to show for it, right here. Oh yeah, where is it? Look at this. A signed book. I'm not sure that's going to come oh, to the green screen, but you get the screen. idea. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was a great time. Then when you go across the street to Spotted Cat and uh, you just party the rest and it was a great time. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of karaoke that night. Um, there are a lot of karaoke videos um, from me and others. Oh, and nice. uh, anyone who wants to see those, just, you know, message me and I'm happy to share. <laughs> it's all public domain. <laughs> yeah. You were out much later than I was. Uh yeah, yeah, I did stay until the karaoke bar closed, which I think was about 3 a.m. Um, oh, and, and quick note about that. So Wednesday morning, um, I gave my talk, and it was me and uh, Jose Urbe from Pure Blink and Neil Griffiths from D-Box, and we were talking about our Four Seasons project. And a funny thing happened where the three of us had done our rehearsal, and everything went according to plan. Neil was talking for about 10 minutes, uh, Jose 15 minutes, and me 15 minutes. But then uh, Luthia, who was kind of running our room, told us right before we went on stage to, to give our talk to a very nicely packed room, thank you to anyone who came out to see us, that we were right before lunch. And that meant that we didn't need to be like super strict in our 50 minute time slot. We could relax a little bit. And we thought, oh, great, cool. So Neil gets up, does his 10 minutes, still like a tight 10 minutes. And then Jose gets up, and he starts to become a little more loquacious. He's looking at his slides and thinking about like, oh, I could also talk about this and talk about this. And 15 minutes go by, 20 minutes go by. I'm looking at the timer. He's starting to notice the timer. 30 minutes go by. And by the time Jose hands off to me, the timer says four minutes left. And, you know, I was thinking like, 15 minutes and 15 minutes is me talking at kind of my my usual comfortable rate and i'm thinking like i i could hold people here but people are hungry they want to go to lunch so what i basically do is i stand up and when it's my turn to talk i say okay everyone thank you so much for coming to this i'm going to talk really fast and i'm so sorry to everyone in the room this is mostly going to be for the people who watch the replay on youtube i just recommend everyone play this back at about 0.25x speed and here we go and i was off to the races and cleared through that content very very fast um but i think it went over well i had some great conversations uh afterwards with people who, who stuck around folks from nasa and sony and some great architecture firms and uh I, I feel like we we were we gave off the desired effect of how 
complicated of a project this has been over the last year. Um, and then the reason I bring this up is because at karaoke later that night, uh, I was like, you know, when I take my kids to Taekwondo, they love uh, Eye of the Tiger from Survivor from Rocky. And so I've gotten very good at singing that song. It's like a good song in my range I can really belt out. And so I'd signed up for that in karaoke. And then Ryan Canool, who had given um, the Hillside sample talk with Carlos Cristerna, um, both of them used to be from Neoscape. Now Carlos works at Epic Games. But Ryan had seen the talk and he's like, no, 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 no. You're not going to sing a song. You need to do something with some speed. And I was like, well, I'm not going to rap. He's like, do you know One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies? And I was like, I mean, not since I was like 13 years old, but kind of. And so he convinced me to change uh, my thing to that, which was fine. I felt bad, though, because there were some other people who were coming on stage to do karaoke with me. And they're like, oh, we don't know that song. So I did like, you know, 80 percent job, like getting through everything and, and rushing through Chickadee China, the Chinese chicken. You have a drum stick in your brain, stop sticking, watching X-Files and the lights on with Dalla on and the smoke humans and this one, et cetera. And they were like totally lost, but being good sports about the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, it was a very fun night of karaoke. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I have to imagine that was quite did you tell them to listen to it back at quarter speed just in oh, case? Oh, I should have. Yeah, that would have been a nice callback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So that, I mean, that's that's Wednesday. I got to a bunch of, um, man, oh, I keep, it's such a blur now. I, I, <laughs> awesome talks, I'm sure. I, I can't remember. I have my, my schedule up. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, awesome sessions Wednesday. Snoop Dogg. What else is there to say? Um, Thursday felt a little bit weird. Like, I, I'm curious because I, maybe I wasn't thinking enough about what time it was all ending on Thursday. But yeah. kind of similar to last year, there's not like a closing session. There's not really a good goodbye. It's like there's the last batch of like 16 talks and then it's just kind of over. And uh, I think a lot of people felt a little like, oh, like, are we being kicked out? Like, you know, how do we how do we yeah. find all the people we want to say goodbye to? Some people are leaving at like, you know, noon and then later throughout the day. Uh, so a lot of folks were just kind of trying to figure out, like, how do they put a button on this really cool event? Did you kind of feel that, too? Yeah, I, I think the assumption with the last day of any conference is that half the people are going to go home. I don't think that was the case here. I think actually a lot of people stayed. Um and like there were some awesome sessions on Thursday, like that Ferrari talk, which was the very last session of the whole thing. Oh, really? Um, yeah, uh, which is incredible. I don't know why anyone would schedule that session for the end, um, but they did. Uh, and it was great. It was a packed room, like the, no trouble with attendance. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I should say also on Wednesday, uh, the, the talk from TensorWorks was really awesome. Yeah. Um, talking about pixel streaming, editor streaming. They had the first example that I've seen of a side-by-side -side of Windows and Linux rendering Loon and Nanite. They had a, an awesome video that they had made. You know, it was scrubbing between the two to see, hey, here's the difference. And I think you could have easily walked away from that saying, oh, well, Linux isn't quite there yet. Well, but you could equally walk away saying, wow, it's really almost there. Like, it's, <laughs> there's not a whole lot missing. Um, and for the majority of people who are working with pixel streaming, like, would you look at that and say, man, that's worth 30% more money, you know, in yeah. practical terms, because that's what it is <laughs> like, no, I don't think you would. So, so some really cool stuff there. Editor streaming. I continue to be very excited about, um, I could go on a whole rant there. I won't, um, 
but yeah, it's an awesome talk. Uh, we sh- we need to have the TensorWorks folks in the podcast at some time, at some point. Yeah, um, that's great. well that's well overdue, um, but uh, we'll make that happen at some point. Uh, should we mention anything about what we did with the Tensor folks that evening? The Tensor folks. I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> the, well, the funny thing is, uh, shout out to Tequila Works, whoever. Oh, yes. <laughs> at the, at, we were at the party, and the Tensor Works, who and Tensor Works is a bit of a funny name. I'll let them tell the story when they're on the podcast, but they don't do anything with AI, and they get confused all the time for an AI company. But a few folks walked up to them wearing Tequila Works shirts, which was like the funniest thing ever in my head. Like, oh my God, you guys need Tequila Works shirts. Um, anyways, um, wh- what was even the question? I totally got off. I said, should we say anything about what we did Thursday evening with Tesla? Oh, yeah. Um, so, and kind of, I, I feel like making this a tra- tradition, but um, certainly last year, um, I will. You know, kind of organize a, a bit of a dinner to go to Commander's Palace, which is an awesome restaurant in New Orleans. It's like a very uh, well-established, classic New Orleans, like, sit-down dinner. It's if, if you Google, like, best restaurants in New Orleans, it's usually on the list. Um, and it was an awesome time. I, I mean, it's always great. They take really good care of you. The food's always great. Um, and the company's even better. It was really fantastic. And and major shout out to Jacob, who uh, this was very much his treat. He did the reservation ahead of time and uh, made great recommendations for what we should get. I also got very excited because uh, you guys did it last year. And I could see how excited Sarah from TensorWorks in particular was about like the desserts. So that built up the anticipation for me and everything delivered. It was really a, a thrilling culinary experience. It's, it's always a fun time. And you can always find like, um, you know, fancier restaurants with smaller portions and it's more artistic experience. But like, I, I really think it's that kind of place where you sit down, you feel both at home at, at, like you have a really talented chef cooking for you in your like colonial Georgian mansion in the middle of the South, you know, like uh, it, it's really, a, you know, for, for folks like us who, who enjoy the immersion of it, uh, I think there's a lot there. Um, yeah. So. And it felt very authentically New Orleans. Like it felt like the kind of restaurant that wouldn't feel the same if it was transplanted to New York City. Definitely not. I I, I dr- drank my fair share of Sazeracs, too. So just <laughs> you, to, to that was definitely your drink of the week. Yeah. Oh, it's always it's always, it's, a, it's a good drink. Um, I, I try to make it here, but I I haven't quite stomach the idea of trying to purchase absinthe, uh, which for those who don't know what a sat, man, this is like a cocktail <laughs> podcast now. Um, a Sazerac, you essentially it's like an old fashioned, but you wash the glass with absinthe first, and it kind of gives it this like fun floral kind of interesting taste, uh, which uh, I really enjoy. So, anyways, this is a, a, a great sidetrack. Um, so, like, what are what are your takeaways from Unreal Fest? Um, uh, first, my, my takeaway take is anyone who's not watching our video feed is missing out on. Uh, my cat Zoe over here. Your cat's like, been there for a while. I haven't said it. I looked behind me because I thought it was one of my cats. Yeah. It's like perfectly placed on the green screen to uh, to feel like it's like a very tiny cat on our virtual table here. Uh, <laughs> and then my, my other cat, one of my other cats is over here and I, I want to like grab them and move them over, but that feels too staged. Uh, it's okay. Nice little treat for anyone who's actually watching the, the YouTube channel. Uh, my takeaway is the the Unreal Engine community is an incredibly 
special community. And I love spending time with these people. Um, I wanted to show like a quick flyby of my, my slides, but it was kind of misbehaving. Um, I'm gonna try one more time because you can just see like how happy we all are to be uh, hanging out together. Oh, this looks okay. Uh, overlay fade in. Right. So here's like, you know, my quick flyby of like a bunch of the Unreal Engine stuff and food and people. And uh, we were all just having a blast, man. And it's not only that, like, I want to talk to all these people about Unreal Engine. Uh, I also just want to hang out with them and spend time with them because these are the kinds of people, personality wise, value wise, et cetera that um, are just really, really lovely. Here's that uh, that 20 year old founder with his Roy Rogers, by the way, fantastic. Um, John McInnes, I'm so glad I got to hang out with. He has the best stories in the world uh, about the film industry in LA and he's making a movie in Unreal Engine right now um, that everyone should check out. And oh, I, got, I ran into an old, uh, not employee, but an old independent contractor of mine. His name's Russell Morgan. Uh, really incredible, sweet guy who got me started with like GitHub years ago, did a lot of work, Fragile Lens. And then he got hired by Supernatural, which of course was acquired uh, by Meta. So now he's a full Meta employee. And I was literally just standing behind him in line at the, uh, uh, in the food line at lunch and was like, what are you doing here? And there were like five things like that. I also sat next to, um, a gentleman who I probably whizzed by really quick, who this guy who is a struct an instructor on Udemy. And I had actually bought his course and <laughs> I was asking him like, Hey, what do you do? Yeah, I recognize like, oh, I do that a lot guy. Of lunch and stuff. You recognize him? When you said Udemy, I recognized him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the funny thing was, and I'm, I'm honestly not on Udemy that much, but he's like, oh, I do things on Udemy. And I was like, oh, I'll look you up. And I opened up the Udemy app on my phone and literally the course pulled up. He's like, that's one of my courses, which was very cool. Uh, so that was great. Also, this was kind of, you know, Unreal Fest in a nutshell to me. Oh, we're getting artifacts. It's my Apple Watch saying it looks like you're trying to work out because yeah. uh, the conference center was so full with all the running back and forth. Uh, this was one of the best Unreal mixed reality experiences I've ever seen. This was using the Vario XR3. Well, I didn't oh, get to see on, this. Come on, this looks awesome. Yeah, um, it, there was I literally could not tell when I was inside the Unreal Engine experience where the um, oh, I'm making it worse, where the green screen started and where like the steering wheel and the seat were. It felt totally natural. My hands were in there. The touch screen was like a really cool uh, way to really feel like I was controlling the car in different ways. Um, this was the best swag at uh, Unreal Fest. This was a onesie, a big giant hoodie. This was a great present for my wife to, you know, say thank Did you. Did she like it? Watching the kids for the entire week I was gone. Did, did she like it? Sorry, what did you say? Yeah, she loves it. It's great. It's a really comfy, giant hoodie that uh, will keep you warm in the winter. Um, ba -ba -ba, Greg's amazing. There's Snoop Dogg. Here's the fest party. There's JJ. Here's the Corys. Here's uh, a, a gentleman from Cosm who I was really excited to talk to. Here's Ed and Jackie who run CG Pro, which is an amazing training company uh, I've worked with in the past. Um, here's, uh, oh my goodness, why am I forgetting the company Mitaverse? Uh, there's Jamie Lopez from Mitaverse. Um, this picture makes me really happy. Corey Williams took this picture, but Corey yeah, Williams, uh, Corey Strasberger, Matt Workman, and me, just a, a cool group of dudes. Here's some of the amazing jazz we saw. Um, here's karaoke, more jazz. Let's see, let's see, see, lots of karaoke. Here's some of the demos we were giving at our Airbnb, uh, using Rococo, um, live single camera capture where you could um, just, you know, move around and see that uh, mocap mo data translating live. 
Um, and then, yeah, and then a little more. This was our great talk with uh, with JJ and one of her employees. Here's Gaspard from Mira. Here's Victor Broden on his amazing, like, little wheelie <laughs> thing, which he looked so happy driving around on. Um, this thing was heavy, though. I was like, can you do, like, a wheelie on that or, like, a, a, a 180? And he's like, no, this thing's, like, 50 pounds. Uh, there's Carlos and Ryan right before we went out to our uh, meal. There's Jacob and Victor Broden showing how tired he was because he went right from MetaConnect to this. Uh, Stephen Phillips, um, such an amazing crew of people. Diana Derry Wachter, uh, who's in the education department, we flew over and ended up flying back together. So that was really cool. And last but not least, uh, I think Ryan Manning took this picture. <laughs> really? What a lovely picture of you and I, Jacob, looking up at the sky. It just begs for a caption contest. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was a wonderful event. I can't wait to do it all again uh, next year. And uh, yeah, and also what a cool pin. I, I, the, the swag bag like left a little yeah. something to be desired, but this was really cool. That was really cool. <laughs> do you wanna do you wanna tell people what you're showing and then what it is? It is uh, the dragon, which is something that still remains in Unreal Engine, and it's been there since the very first version. I should know the history more. Maybe you know it off the top of your head. I'm just typing in the word dragon, Unreal Engine. Um, I was under no, the impression it was a raptor characters personally. Oh, is it a raptor? I, I it believe oh. it was part of um, it was part of the early. Uh, oh man! Now we're gonna get absolutely roasted. For, <laughs> it was embarrassing. We should definitely um, get this. Uh, yeah. Okay. Wait. 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 I got. It, I got. It, I got. It. Hold on. It's the icon for billboard component. All right. Yeah. Um, but why? And I, there's people saying it's a dragon thingy. Um, okay, hold on, hold on. We got to get to the bottom of this. Uh, here we go. It's off topic. Off topic in a forum thread. That's, we're, in on, we're in the same place. We're in the same place. Oh, we're in the same place. This icon dates back to 1995 where it was the default actor icon in Unreal Engine 1. It was created by Dan Cook. Why is it a dragon's head? Well, that's another story that goes back to early days, um, where the game Unreal rose from combining Jane Schmaltz's early 3D prototype work featuring a dragon flying over 3D terrain with the work creating the 3D editing tool for the project, which later became Unreal Engine. At that point... A dragon was the canonical character representing the game, hence the dragon head icon. And for the record, that's Tim Sweeney in the forum that I just ran into. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I'll send this link to you, Alex. Uh, you'll find that's this actually hilarious. pretty fascinating. Um, Tim wow. Sweeney jumped in on this uh, this forum post. So I feel like that's a pretty definitive telling. Um, <laughs> so. That's hilarious. Wow. Cool. Um, but, uh, well, for for us, like we, we've... we've been used to seeing that icon uh, a lot. We just can't quite pinpoint because it's so omnipresent in our heads. Um, yeah. yeah. Very, yeah. Right. Well, very well, Jacob, do you have any closing thoughts on Unreal Fest? Anything you uh, would do differently next year? Um, my closing thoughts are, I think it's exciting to see the community grow. I am hoping that next year um, we bounce back from, uh, you know, a, a bit of this, you know, from some of the growth that that kind of made things challenging for epic and and we continue to see the development that you know we are seeing in the engine I, there's just 
there's so much that's so close that will make the usability and the accessibility of the engine so powerful. Um, I think we're really close to that hitting a critical mass um, for a lot of different use cases where I think you will continue to see way more TV and film and animation and, uh, you know, UEFA, all, all these different mediums that are utilizing this um, in a much more meaningful way because it's really getting to that point. Um, so I'm really excited for that. I'm hoping next year the show reel is uh, un uh, unreal. Um, and it's, uh, I, I'm assuming the conference will continue to grow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Next year we'll have 12 year olds at the conference. Yeah, you we'll never just know. keep <laughs> youngering down. <laughs> but that's my takeaway is that the accessibility and, and so many of the features that are both from, from a professional sense, like the things you need to build big projects, as well as the, the things that you need if you're an independent creator, like there's so much breadth there. And it's getting so mature um, that I, I, I really think it's, it's an exciting time um, to get involved yes. in Unreal, even if it doesn't seem like that on the surface, um, given the recent events. I, I, I really do think it's an exciting time. Just there's a lot to play with um, and there's a lot that you can make with it. So I'm very excited to see what happens. Yeah. Um, and by the way, for anyone who is feeling like they missed out and everything, all the sessions uh, are going to be, well, sorry, not every single one. Most of the sessions will be available um, soon. I think I was told by the end of the year, all of them will be uploaded. Uh, it'll be hopefully more of a trickle than like a dead drop of 10 sessions at a time, like happened last year. But if you look at the live streams um, at, you know, unrealengine.com slash events slash unreal dash fest dash 2023, there's 40 sessions that are just part of the, the three day live stream there. Um, so they're all listed on the page. And uh, yeah, there a lot of good sessions that I will probably be watching at, you know, 2x speed because to me, the whole world talks too slowly. <laughs> Man, I much I, I must talk time. really slow for you. You know, you never mentioned that. No, no, no. You're great. You have a very soothing voice, Jacob. I, 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 I appreciate that. <laughs> my, my fiance tells me that uh, I, I talk too slow and I don't finish my sentences. So I, I apologize. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't mean to upset any of our listen, listeners or you, Alex. Ah, oh, it's okay. <laughs> I'm not upset. Although I do want you to try to guess how long this episode's been. Um, see, the thing is, I even look at the time. Um, <laughs> I'm going to guess this has been an hour, 35 minutes. Ooh. Oh, that's very good. I, you might be spot on, actually, because we did have a little moment. Wait, check your audio. Check your audio. What's it, what's it at? Yeah. So, yeah, so my, my audacity, because I'm recording this on a separate audio track, is at a one hour and 37 wow. minutes. But I feel like when I actually hit record, it probably was about two minutes Look at of that. other stuff. So this is almost definitely your best guess yet. Well done. Right on the money. It's, a, it's an hour 20. Let's just be real. Yeah. You know, it's, it's always an hour <laughs> 20 at the end of the day. Uh, well, thank you guys if, if you've listened up to this point. Um, you know, th this was a special episode recapping Unreal Fast. I think we have a lot of ideas coming out of this about how we can, uh, um, you know, uh, continue to to bring some content to you guys on this podcast. I'm excited for a few of the ideas that came out of it. And and if you have any suggestions uh, for things that you'd like us to do with the podcast, different things you'd like us to talk about, guests that you'd like us to have on, please let us know uh, in the comments or wherever it is you live. Um, yeah, reach out to us. Uh, and in the meantime, make sure that you like, subscribe, rate, comment, all those things. 
Um, and well, we'll catch you on the next podcast. And if you really enjoyed hearing us talk about Unreal Fest, listen to our episode from last year where we also yeah. recapped Unreal Fest. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day and goodbye.